0: Hey everybody! Welcome to this episode of Turning to Him. My name is Zach Batty, and I am here with Bo Hopkins. Bo, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me here.
0: Thanks for being here. Uh, give us a give us the intro, a 15 second, 30 second intro of the experience that you wanted to share and talk about today.
1: You bet. Uh, so, you know, my wife and I have been married for 22 years. We have five children, and our third oldest son. Uh, has been diagnosed and struggling with OCD for the last uh, for the last year okay
0: wow uh, heart goes out to you that is not easy to have kids diagnosed with anything let alone OCD Um, give us a little bit of background I mean you know uh, you said you have five kids uh, tell us about your third son uh, maybe three years ago
1: yeah. um, this is the kid who is, he's very kind um he's always more concerned about making sure everyone's else's needs are being uh, being met um He's extremely funny um, and uh, has a very quick wit and uh, was just he's, he was just always happy um uh, he was always very connected to, to to the gospel and spiritual things he's always been very sensitive to the spirit. Um, and uh, so when this this happened, it was very, very shocking. And uh, our only relation, you know, only way I could relate to OCD was from the movies, like What About Bob and <laughs> right stuff like that, which is extremely funny and not reality, obviously. That's why it's a comedy. Um, but also there's, the, that, that there's this, that there are the, the things that in that movie do happen. It's just it's not funny when it's your own son in real life. <laughs> right. Well, that's, that's what I was going to ask you about is I think
0: most of us, I don't want to speak for everybody, but for me, yeah, OCD is something that's somewhat humorous, like, oh, my socks have to be on at the right level. And I wash my hands three times before I eat and that kind of stuff. Clearly, that is not your reality. That's not what you're <laughs> living.
1: No, that, that can be a part of it, but, uh, that, so it, his specific, um, diagnosis with OCD is, uh, scrupulosity and, uh, and, uh, intrusive thoughts. And, uh, and scrupulosity is where, um, it's, it's tied to, to, the to, to religious, I guess, religiosity. So, um, he had gone to a missionary prep class and, uh, it was a, it was a good meeting and, and it was conducted by our state president and our state president to be completely uh, fair had done nothing wrong. It was a fantastic class. Um, he just went over some things in that, that he, my son just, for whatever reason, he connected and thought he was guilty of all those things and thought he was going to hell. And that's kind of where it started.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh, and it, In the the beginning, you're, you know, as a parent, you're sitting down with them and walking them through and helping them understand the scriptures. And so you're not going to hell. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. You know, Um, you're a good kid. You're trying to do the right things. You're you believe in repentance and in Jesus Christ and walking. And this would be a two hour discussion. And you'd be like, "Okay, I feel much better. Thank you. Thank you, Dad. You know, and and, I mean, it was two hours, which was a long time. But uh, obviously, as a parent, you're willing to talk as long as you need work things through and uh, and he would come back the next day like we hadn't even had that conversation and uh and it just started getting worse and worse and worse and he would start reading his scriptures and he would read his scriptures you know this just started during the summertime when school was out and he would just start reading the scriptures like all day or it started with 30 minutes and it was 45 minutes and it was just constant reading the scriptures and he would come to me at night and say, Dad, you need to read this. This is this this scripture really, really hit me and it was really heavy on my heart. I can laugh about it now. <laughs> oh <my laughs> He'd, show me this. He'd show me whatever scripture was. And his interpretation of that scripture was basically he's being thrust down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I'd start over the whole process again of walking him through how no this is you're misinterpreting and misapplying the scripture. And uh, and then it just got to the point where he didn't believe me and it was never no much how much affirmation or no much, how much uh, recognition I could give him. It didn't matter. And it just progressively got worse from there. Um, Then it got to the point where he felt like he couldn't touch anybody or he, and then it got to the point where he'd be 20 feet across the room and he said he touched someone inappropriately.
0: Yeah.
1: But he'd be 20 feet uh, across the room.
0: (laughs) Right. Right.
1: (laughs) And then we'd have to say, in the beginning, we didn't know what was going on, mind you, at this point. And we're like, son, you're 20 feet from the room. There's no way you could have touched anybody. And uh, and then he would do these weird things where he'd put his hand out and then turn sideways to measure to make sure his hand couldn't reach 20 feet across the room. I mean, it was it was, it was a nightmare, honestly. It was a complete nightmare.
0: Now, uh, you said he went to a mission prep class, so I'm assuming he's 16 to 18 years old, somewhere He around was,
1: there? He was 16. He's now 17, but he was 16, and his older brother was getting ready to go on a mission, and he was kind of going with him to those prep classes. Okay. And, and uh, so, yeah, that's how, kind of how it got started. So, And that's, that's got to be so tough to detect, because
0: certainly not commenting at all about your son, but there are a lot of 16 year olds that could probably need to talk with their Bishop. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, re- repentance is a real issue. And, and yeah. boy, thank goodness. If there is a 16 year old out there who, who is saying, Hey, I need to talk to my Bishop. Yeah. That's fan- yeah. We should celebrate that. Of course, not the, not the act, but we should celebrate that. Right. Great. Right. So that's at some right. point though, it dawns on you. This is not, this is yeah, not, this we're is- not talking about 16 year old repentance. This we have yeah. a different situation on our hands.
1: Yeah. And we actually did have a meet with the bishop um, and, uh, and our bishop, he was, he just, he was the most amazing man. He was just so good with, we just really love him. And he was so good with Ewan and, uh, and uh helped him walk him through that. This, these are things that you don't need to come see me about you're a good yeah. kid you know <laughs> yeah yeah and of course you would walk, walk out of that meeting with the bishop saying thanks that, that was what i needed to hear and then literally the next day is like i need to go to see the bishop again I, i'm guilty of this this this. like the same things again yes and uh so, so, son we can't we can't do that he says dad you're stopping me from repenting you're gonna you're gonna i'm gonna go to hell because you won't let me repent <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, was, it was and he was convinced of it you know it was like no that's not what's happening you know And so we just would just, you know, my wife and I were just trying to help him and talk him through these things. And as we're helping him as well, we think we're helping, we're really actually not helping him, but we think we are helping him. And then we're watching him get worse and worse literally by the day. And uh, go ahead. I cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah. And, 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 and we don't know what's happening other than. I looked at my wife. I'm like, I think our son is just severely mentally ill. I don't know why it didn't dawn on me. You know, we're a month, we're a month and a half, two months into this, and I'm finally, you know, having the like. I think my son is mentally ill. This is more than just um, him th- thinking he's doing things that are wrong. You know, this is this is not right. Yes. And so, you know, I so I I I I, so I go to the internet, and I'm trying to. Self-diagn, you know, trying to figure yeah. out what's going on, and then because yeah. I didn't know where to go, And I knew, it, like, you know, taking to the pediatrician wasn't going to do anything, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, and so I, I start going through some things, and I start, oh, wait a minute, and I, I just come across OCD, and I start reading about OCD. I'm like, okay, yeah, he's doing that. Yes, he's doing this. Yes, he's doing this. And I come to find out that OCD is one is within I think the top five um mental health concerns in the world and i'm thinking, how would i not know this how 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 is this not known you know because when you think of mental health you think of depression you think of bipolar you think of you know schizophrenia that kind of stuff which oddly enough schizophrenia is a subset of ocd so okay so it's just it was it was it was so I, i thought i said okay i think this is what's going on babe to my wife and uh and so we reach out um uh, to a, a group and, uh, go through all the forms, and, and we get introduced to a therapist. Her name is Thelma. And, uh, and she's still, uh, his, his, uh, his therapist today. And, uh, she, she was an absolutely just amazing woman. So she herself had been diagnosed with OCD when she was younger. And, uh, and so it was really nice to be able to have someone who knows exactly what's going on not only because she was trained, but because she actually personally had been had been through it. Yes. And
0: now, uh, I was just gonna say what what guided you because well, what guided you from maybe depression to OCD? Because I think that for a lot of people who haven't experienced this, you know you would think, okay, I'm going to go down the, the mental illness path. Here's a young man who thinks he's going to hell, doesn't think he's good enough, doesn't think that the atonement works for him. That sounds a lot like maybe
1: depression or something yeah. like that. So what what steered you there? So it so depression is a component of it, and he was diagnosed with severe depression. No okay. question. Um, but it was all the little ticks and the little magic. And the OCD role is called magic touch, where right. he thinks he's touched someone inappropriately, but there's no way in the world it could have happened. And the way say OCD work, it's like sticky brain. They get hung up on this one particular thought and they cannot let it go. Okay. And so, and so they start doing all these mental and physical tests to show that it's either true or not true. Okay. <laughs> and with OCD, if it's one in a billion chance that could be true in their mind, it's absolutely 100% true and it happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay,
0: very interesting.
1: And so him walking around doing all these tests and saying, I touched you, and he's testing them to see if he could actually reach and um, ask 100 questions um, on the same same thing over and over and over again, wanting accommodation and wanting validation. And the thing with OCD, it can never be validated enough. There's not enough validation you can give it. In fact, the more more times you validate it, the more it needs and just becomes this hungry monster where they spiral deeper and deeper and deeper into it okay and uh so it was it was the most eye-opening and difficult thing until we met Thelma and Thelma was like okay so the way you treat this is through exposure you have to expose them to what he's feared so his brain is being hard is your everyone's brain is is wired through the fight or flight response yes well with OCD they're in that, that fight or flight response on everything they're not so that they have that, uh, I think it's the hypothalamus and the amygdala. The hypothalamus is the, re- the reason center of the brain. The amygdala is the fight or flight response of the brain. Okay. And so you put into a, a situation where you think you're in danger or, you know, death, danger, that kind of stuff, your body automatically, automatically re- uh, goes into that mode. Either you got to fight it or you got to flight. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the hypothalamus is the reason center of the brain. And so so once you calm down, realize, okay, I'm not a, a, a life and death situation. I can reason my way out of this and, and things are normal. Well, OSTD never gets to that, never gets to the reason center. They're just hardwired constantly into the, into that fight or flight response over everything. And so it was interesting too, because one of the things we noticed it was his, his eyes would be really dilated all the time and just didn't look right. And I'm like, man, this is, he just, he doesn't even look right. You know, um, and then as we started doing these, these therapy sessions, he would come out of that response and he would see, you could see it in his eyes where things were clicking and things were lucid and he was thinking normally again. Really? Yeah. It didn't last for very long, but he would get, hey, the, the the more he would come into that zone, the longer he would stay in it.
0: Okay. Very interesting.
1: Yeah. So it was literally retraining his brain nervous system and his brain pathways to be able to communicate correctly and engage those, engage the correct, uh, the the correct brain pathways again. So, so so
0: I just want to review the timeline. So you are into this about a month and a half before you are able to find Thelma and, and start climbing out. Now, how long is he talking with Thelma before you all maybe have seen the bottom and climbing out or, or, or is that even, is that even an accurate description?
1: So it was uh, the first session with Thelma. We saw light, the very first oh session. Gosh, Now it was difficult. Um, and, and, and the first session was a lot of her talking to us to really kind of understand that. And then he, she met with him for about 30 minutes, but the very first session we saw a difference. OK. And uh, and so with exposure therapy, you have to expose him a thing that he's afraid of and you expose him to the to that particular exposure until he realizes I don't need to be afraid of this. This is OK.
0: And OK, that's what I was going to ask, because I assume that Thelma is a woman.
1: Yes, she is.
0: So, I mean, any concerns? How How is he handling that? How, is he OK with that?
1: So we were concerned about that, but she connected with him so well that he really liked her okay and so it was yeah it, it was it was gold so it was awesome so, we were concerned about that too and and of course the the group that we work with is that if he doesn't connect with her we have lots of other therapists that we can work through but he met with her one time and it was over he, he just he really loved her
0: so. oh fantastic
1: <laughs> yeah. you know it's funny through the whole process too you think what did I do as a parent I failed. I failed my son. I, I'm I'm not a good parent. This if I was a good parent, this wouldn't have happened. And 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 she she's been helpful with us, you know, through this process as much as him.
0: <laughs> well, and and you know? that's a, that's a whole other topic I want to explore also because I'm sure just exactly what you thought. I'm, uh, so many of us don't want the neighbors to know that uh, we're going to therapy or that my kids going to therapy or. What did I do wrong as a parent? Did I did I put too much guilt on? Should I have let him should I have let him play video games on Sunday and we didn't? Or should I what did I do wrong? Did I did I have yeah. it too tight in the house? All that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You a, a, amen. We went through all of those things. And maybe we didn't do enough, or maybe we were too strict. <laughs> and the reality of it is we were, you know, she helped us understand we were good parents. And this is just a mental health concern and there's a way out. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of hard work. and At the end of the day, we can't make him come out of it. He has to want it for himself. And uh, and he does. Um, and there's good days and there's bad days. There's great weeks and there's not so great weeks. And uh, but when I look at the sum total where he was a year ago to where he is now, he's so far down the pathway of, of progress. It's it's been it's 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 awesome. And, and you have to just remember that. When you have the bad days, you just have to realize, okay, he's doing better than what he did a month yeah. ago, even though yeah. this is a tough day. So. Uh,
0: that is so great to hear. I wish that there were some way to chart that on a graph so that when you're in a saddle, you can say, look, the overall three month trend is up. Every, everything's pointed <laughs> up. We're just in a dip right now.
1: Yeah. So the, the very first thing that she helped us understand is that when he comes and asks this question of, um, did I touch you? Or, or I think I touched you, or I think I did this or whatever it is. Our response is, I don't know. Check your book. Oh, really? Yeah. And which in the beginning, it sounded so counterintuitive. Like there's no way I have to tell him. No, he didn't do that. Right. Literally the response is, I don't know. Check your book. And we had a little journal and it was his book. And our job was every time he come down, every time he he, he, he said that I did that, or I had a magic touch moment or whatever it was, we would write down the, the time and the day and write down Ewan said he did, he touched me inappropriately on this day at this time. And then we would write the actual response of what the truth was underneath. So when he would come out and say that, we would say, I don't know, you need to go check your book. And so he would have to go look through his book and actually start reading it. And uh, it was a little journal that we bought. And in the beginning of the journal, we just kind of wrote how much we loved him and how we truly felt about him. And then, and the next page was this date, this time, Ewan and said, this, this is what actually happened. Yeah. <laughs> he would say he didn't like that response. I don't know, because OCD wants validation. They want to be accommodated right away. Okay. Right here, right now. I need to know. I need to know. I need to know. I will Just it's like a machine gun with that question over and over, and you just have to say I don't know, and not give them the validation.
0: That is such an interesting uh, experience that you all are going through. Um, you know, I immediately think that 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 of course makes the dating scene ex- exceedingly difficult because number one, your son is filled with guilt. Which isn't healthy. But number two, also your son starts saying, Hey, I inappropriately touched my date. (laughs) Now all of a sudden, I mean, how do you handle that? You know, you you show her dad, no, I've got this journal. He 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 does. (laughs) I mean, we got we got the journal. How do you even handle that?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we had to learn very quickly. Number one, I'm just I had to realize why am I embarrassed of my son? He's a good kid. Of course. And I'm not embarrassed of him. So right. So if I go into a public setting with him now, he's gonna do some things that are that are that we obviously you don't want him doing. Um, um, but he does them less now than he did six months ago. And okay. as I work with him, um he does better and better as he gets in those situation. Like so what he would when we finally got him into public, uh he would hold his hands like this. Oh yes, hands, that makes sense, you know. Um and now you know he'll hold his hands down. Yes, <laughs> he'll, he'll do. It. But he'll kind of cup them, you know, you know, he'll kind of cup them like this, you know, but yep, to um, make
0: sure he's not touching anybody.
1: That's right. Yeah. That's yep. right. And uh so but uh you know, but he will go on. like we could he, we in the beginning we couldn't even take him to church and uh and you know Thomas helped us that's okay, you know, he'll he'll go to church when he's ready. And so we were good with that. And uh, he does go to church now, and uh, but um, in the beginning, it was just, I did this, and it was, I don't know. That was the only exposure that we would do. I don't know. Go check your book. And he would go check the book religiously. hmm hmm And she said, eventually, he's going to stop checking the book because he's going to get tired of it. It's not worth it. He knows your response. He knows you're not going to validate and accommodate him, and he's just going to let it go. And like clockwork, about three weeks into it, he stopped checking his book.
0: Really? Yeah.
1: Now he would still come down and say things, and we would have to say, I don't know. Yeah. Check your book. But and eventually, then he would just go back upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so then he would want to hide in this one room. So we got to the point now, where he actually stopped asking and stopped saying he did that. He stopped saying those things. He stopped saying the magic touching. He stopped saying, I did this. He stopped saying it. Okay. His mind was still saying it was happening, but he had developed the mental skill to realize, to say, no, it's not true.
0: Okay. Yeah. How did you know that um he was developing that mental skill to say that's not true? Or that he just wasn't confiding in you anymore?
1: So we would talk through it in therapy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um and yeah, and that's funny you would say that because you're like, oh man, he's not talking to me about it. Is he hiding it from me? That's not the way O C D works. So that's the nice thing about it, is that oh good. It's it's if they stop doing it and you're working with them and helping them understand it's because it's actually working and he'll tell you it's working that it's really he'll say it in the beginning he says I can't I can't I can't and and we had to work with him saying no it's not that you can't it's that it's really hard and t- teaching him to, to use different words and different ways to to do things so say instead of saying I can't he just has to say I know it's really really hard and it is hard for him. Um, but that's different than saying, I can't, Art is possible can't isn't right. And so it's helping him understand that it's possible. And the big word is don't try harder. It's just try different. It's not about trying harder. It's just about trying different. Yes. That sounds and that feels different. Right. Yeah. And so you can always try something something different. Yeah. I can always try something different. Right.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love that. Um, Okay. So you said, so he talked to us about him choosing to just isolate in this room.
1: All right. So that was the actually next set of exposures was we were gradually going to take rooms away from him. And so he had found my my oldest daughter. She was away on her mission. Um, and so he had set up shop in her, in her old room. And uh, he was sharing her with my brother, but he, I mean, his brother, but uh, he just couldn't be in the same room with him. And mm-hmm. so he isolated into this room, and so I had to go buy a lock from Home Depot. Like a, I just got a doorknob with a key. Yeah. And uh, I and I would prep him. I would tell him about a week and a half. And his son eventually this room is going to go away. He says yeah. you have your room with a really nice bed in it, and Tao would love to be able to to, to have you in the room with him again. And uh, just so you know, this room is eventually is going to go away. It's going to go away here in about a week. And uh, I would just kind of prep him, and finally the week came. And I took the room away from him and it was a meltdown. It was, I mean, it was just an app. He had an absolute meltdown
0: mm-hmm.
1: screaming at the top of his lungs, um, you know, saying stuff. Why are you doing this to me? It's not right. And OCD can be really mean by the way.
0: <laughs> oh, oh my gosh.
1: OCD can be horribly mean. Yeah. It, it just, just tears clever. your heart out as a parent. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you just had to realize, okay, that's, that's OCD having a have, uh, having a meltdown moment because you're taking away what it wants and it wants accommodation. And yeah. we were allowing him to have that accommodation in his room, but it was time for him to take that away. And, and of course, Thelma told him, she's like, you're going to take that room away and he's not going to go into your brother's room. He's going to find another room to go into. And that's OK. 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 And then, sure enough, he did. He found the food storage room.
0: OK. <laughs> so- I often find myself in the food storage room, but that's because that's where the Oreos are.
1: So <laughs> uh, but he went to the floor he had a had a, he found a blanket, he took his pillow, a couple blankets and he would sleep on the floor in the food storage room mm-hmm. and, and we allowed that to happen um because believe it or not, it doesn't sound like progress, but it is progress because eventually we're going to take that room away from him. yes and uh, he was in that room for about another month and uh, Thelma says, okay, it's time to take that room away from him. And again, we did the same thing, prepped him four weeks, said, son, this room's eventually going to go away. In fact, the whole time he was in that room, I said, son, eventually this room is going to go away. And he said, no, 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 dad, it's not going to go away. This is, my, this is my area. I love it here. In fact, I like this room more than the other room. I said, "But yes. well, you have a really nice bed in there to sleep in. He's like, oh, I prefer sleeping on the floor, dad, which he doesn't, by the way. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But he's going to, whatever he said, you know, just don't take this room away from him. And uh, eventually we did. We got a lock. And this kind of has... Kinda has double door so I really couldn't go by a doorknob with a lock so I had to go by a little thing I had to screw in with a latch and put a lock on it yep okay and uh we took that room away from him and it had another of course had another meltdown but it wasn't as bad as the first okay okay that's fantastic <laughs> but it was fantastic. fantastic yeah so it's progress right then a meltdown and uh and and there was one room left that he could I, we knew he was going to go to this room but it's the study it's the room I'm in right now it's the study okay and, uh, and, uh, of course he, he went down and he wasn't going to go into that room with his brother. And so he went down and set up shop in here, same thing, blanket and, uh, and some pillows. And, uh, it was the last room, you know, and, uh, again, he was in this room. This is where he, you know, I said, son, you got a really nice bed upstairs and a brother who'd love to be able to have you in a room again. He's like, no way Dad. I, I like it here. This is great. I, he's like, I actually prefer this room over this food storage room because it's really close to the kitchen.
0: <laughs> yes yes
1: <laughs> and you know he wasn't sleeping you know and uh so he 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 would sleep for 30 minutes hour you know throughout the day getting up and down and uh he'd be up all night long and there's nothing i could do about it other than you know he's in there rummaging eating food and you know just just doing whatever he could do to try to not be in his head because his, his mind is going a th- thousand miles an hour about all the things that he's doing wrong and uh and he's struggling this whole time. He's super depressed. You know, he was meeting with a, a psycho a psychologist as well, and a psychiatrist. And of course, they uh, prescribed Prozac. And there really is no they provide they prescribed Prozac, but there's actually no medicine out there that really helps with OCD. Yeah, uh, Prozac is just kind of you hope it works a little bit, and 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 we think it do, does a little bit. Um, he seems to function a little bit better. On it than off of it, but uh, the only thing that really truly helps is is going through the exposure therapies each day. And of course, he has homework he has to do exposures. Yes. Uh, each day, and he has to report to Thelma each week and their their call. And uh, he she was meeting with him twice a week in the beginning. Uh, then we moved to once a week. Now about every other week he meets with Thelma. So
0: oh which is, gosh, that's fantastic. Is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's huge. Okay. So how long was he in the study? Uh, he was in the study for about, about three months. Okay. Um, and uh, it was the last room and she just, she wanted us to, cause there was nowhere else to go. It was in his room or not. And so she, we kind of worked with him for three months, the whole time telling him eventually son, this room's going to go away. And, and we kind of baby stepped it. I had to go by again. These are, these are two big doors and I, and so I had to go by a child lock, and it just mm-hmm. kind of made it so he couldn't open it. And we started by taking the room away from him during the day. Like, he couldn't ha- go in that room. Okay. And we had to keep all the other rooms locked up, too. So we only had a few areas he could go. He'd go into my room. He'd go in in the, in the living room, his sister's room, which wasn't going to happen at all, and his brother, ro- brother's room, which it wasn't going to happen at all. So he kind of mainly stayed in my room, my, my my wife and I's room, and the in the living room. And uh, we'd let him sleep there at night. And eventually we finally took it. Away. And of course, you know, we took that away from him and he had a really bad meltdown when we started Ooh. taking it away from him worse than the other two previously, which was shocking or thought, man, we thought maybe it'd get a little better, but this one was bad. It was, he was running out of the house, running down the street, up and down the street. And, uh, you know, I, he's fast. I, you know, I'm in pretty good shape, you know, <laughs> but I'm not 17 years old anymore. I couldn't catch him. <laughs> Well, this is winter time too. You know, it's cold. You know, and so he's running, you know, running around bare feet, and I, you know, oh. I can't catch him. And so I finally yeah. had to go in the house, and he came back. You know, he came okay. back in a few minutes, and you know, we're worried, thinking we're we going to have to call the police because he's going to have, you know. And then and initially, I thought I was going to have to uh, put him in the mental institution. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, oh, my heart just goes
0: out. I mean, I I think we all have felt a level of guilt in our lives. Can you imagine living with that times 10, 24 yeah. seven? I mean, if you truly believed that you are going to hell yeah. living that way, 24 seven, that is, that's, I'm, I'm so sympathetic to him.
1: I mean, that is a tough way to live. You can't live that
0: way. Yeah.
1: No, he, and he wasn't living. So, yeah. and, uh, and, and he's living more now. Than he they did he's he's still got a long ways to go um but uh we're on the path he's on the path he works hard at it every day and he's he's doing much much better each each week there's progress good you know but yeah so we had had that life. we finally took that room away from him for good and uh and of course he's running down the street screaming y'alller and yelling and he finally comes back to the house walks by the house and Runs into the house and goes straight into the downstairs bathroom that we have, just kind of a half bath.
0: Yeah,
1: locks the door and he's just screaming at the top of his lungs. <laughs> okay. And we're thinking, I'm sure the neighbors think we're just, "What's going on? What are you doing to this kid?" Yeah, you know? <laughs> because he's got pretty, you know, he's got a deep voice now, and he's got.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: And my poor wife, it's just disturbing to her as a mother, you know, if he's thinking what has happened to my son. I think his dad's, you know, it's obviously it's disturbing and it's hard to see, but I think we're wired differently where we realize, okay, this is, I can handle this, but, you know, for the, for mom, it was hard. It's really yeah. real. Yeah. I'm proud of her. Cause it's, it's, I can't imagine, you know, from her perspective as a mother, what it's, it's like for her to, to watch her son do this, you know, but interesting thing is he comes out of the room and he's lucid. He's like, okay, I, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go sleep in the room. He went and slept up in the first night. Um, and I think it was so we're into this six months, I think. And uh, he finally sleeps in his bed for the first time in six months and uh loves it. You know, like oh. the next morning, he's like, I never slept so good, dad. I can't believe I was sleeping on the floor.
0: <laughs> was, oh, fantastic.
1: So it was good. Um, and uh still wasn't going to church, but uh within a within a month and a half he went to church for the first time. And wow. uh, in sacrament sat in sacrament, just, just for sacrament meeting, wasn't gonna go to Sunday school or on you know, the priesthood days, he wasn't gonna go to he was, he was gonna go to preschool or anything. Yeah sacrament. And it you know, it wasn't like he walked in normal, you know, he's doing all this kind of stuff and you know, checking every, you know, do this kind of stuff where they're checking all the time and just lots of jerking around and that kind of stuff. And, uh, but he got into the seat, sat down and, uh, took him about 20 minutes, but after about 20 minutes of being in the pew, he like chilled out and was sitting relatively normal, not jerking around or, you know, making, yes. noise, making noises or screaming or anything like that. He was, he actually made it to the whole thing and did really great. Well, that's astounding because
0: I would imagine that church is also a major trigger for him.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, not just the people around, but you know, just the idea of look, church is where you go to repent. Church is where you go. I mean, that's that's perhaps a source of the guilt for him.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. He wouldn't. He didn't want to take the sacrament. He was going to. Have, he looked at
0: me like,
1: you know, look shaking the man. Can't yeah. take. <laughs>
0: right. Okay, baby steps. That's fine.
1: Well, I, I just looked at us and said take the sacrament. And oh, he, did. Did <laughs> <laughs> he
0: did. Okay. Exposure therapy for the sacrament.
1: Right.
0: That's awesome.
1: Oh, and I'm and I'm and I'm just happy. You know, I know it's not perfect, and I'm sure that, you know, I fortunately we have an amazing ward with just like really awesome people and they know us real well, you know, know us well. We've been in the ward for a while and and uh and, and and there's a lot of the ward that doesn't know what's going on. And so you know what's going on with this kid over here? Sure. <laughs> know us, know what's going on, you know. And and they're just great with him. Bishop is great with him. Um, his his, his uh, priest quorum advisors are just awesome with him. He, and the priests were great with him. And uh, so it, 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 he was able to get through, and it was okay. And, and uh, he gets up from at the end of sacred meeting, he gets up and just bolts, you yes, know, yes. bolts out of there and and walks home. And why so we said you can walk home and you know and uh you know we stayed for the rest of church and he gets home and we get home and uh he he's actually glad he went. He's like I'm glad I went I forgot how how much I like church. So uh-huh. But um, so it just kind of slowly got got better, and my wife and I we teach uh, his Sunday school, and it's his age group, so we're actually his Sunday school teachers. And I, you know, and it, it, it was a tender mercy, honestly. So I had been a Sunday school teacher for uh, two years, um, and so that previous year before all this happened, I was a Sunday school teacher, no big deal, and I thought well, that was cool. It was nice to have my son in the class. And the next year, I thought I was not going to be in his class because he's going to go up to the older class. But he actually, I, I got moved around and uh, was put as his teacher into the older class. And uh, I was assigned to with a, with another teacher. And I was kind of a little bit, and this is going to sound so selfish, but I was a little bit bummed because I really, really enjoyed teaching with my other teacher. He was. Uh, he was our, he's our, our, our minister, he's, you know, for our family and I just really, really love him. He's just, just the best guy in the whole world. And, uh, so I was a little bit bummed that I wasn't going to get able to teach with him. And, uh, but I also had the very distinct impression, because if I would have gone to the Sunday school president said, no, I'd like to stay with this, this brother, he, the, the, the Sunday school president would have done it, but I had the very distinct impression that, I, uh, the impression that I need to not do that. that I just need to roll with it. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, roll with it. And then three months later, this happens. And then six months later, he's finally willing to come to church. And within a month and a half of coming to church, he's willing to come to Sunday school class, and I get to be his teacher, which is like perfect. Wow. And I'm just, I just, for me, that was a tender mercy. Realizing I'm really glad that I just listened to that impression from the Spirit and just said up. Just you need to take the assignment as the Lord gives it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lord knows. The Lord yeah. has a plan. He knows. And uh, and then the the brother I was teaching ended up being re- uh, moved to another class, and my wife was uh, assigned as their my a teacher with me, which was great. So him, him, my mom, you know, mom and I get to teach him. So,
0: oh wow, That's that was fantastic,
1: kind of cool. cool. So he would come to the Sunday school, and then about a month after that, um, he started going to preschool, which is not, you know, obviously I'm not in there,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but. Uh, he goes to preschool and he and he goes now he goes to he goes to everything now. So wow,
0: now at uh, this whole time is he going to school?
1: So we uh, we we've we actually homeschooled him. So. Okay. Yep. Um, and the through that whole six months, we you know he wasn't doing any school, and so he was really behind. But after about that six month mark, when he started going to church, he also started able to do his schoolwork.
0: Oh, fantastic!
1: He would sit down with his mom and actually go through it and do it. And and once he once that happened, he was like a, he was on fire. I mean, he completed all of his schoolwork and was able to get back on track. And uh, you know, he's doing his junior year and he's doing great. So, but tell me was, through, uh, tell me through all of
0: this, how has your understanding of the atonement changed? How has your relationship with your Savior changed?
1: So. I went from being hopeless to being full of hope and realizing that not everything through this process is on my shoulders to fix that. It's the saviors to fix. My job is to be his dad, to love him and to do the very best I can with the tools and understanding that I have, and then lean on the Lord for the rest of it. And, uh, for me, what was so hopeful about that first meeting with the therapist was to realize that it's not all on my shoulders to fix this, that I have people in my life that the Lord will put in place to be able to help us through it. And, uh, I don't know. I just, uh, I, I, have spent most of my life feeling like, uh, if I don't, I have to fix everything. And through this last year, I realized that I don't have to fix it and everything. And not only do I not have to, I can't. And uh I, you know, I'm 45 years old and I'm a little late to the party, I suppose, but uh <laughs> it's amazing to me how the Lord can take the most horrible situation and then turn it into a blessing. And you know, obviously, would I want my son to not go through this? Oh yeah, I I I I wouldn't. But at the same token, as we've gone through this, I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful for the things that we've learned as a family that he's learning and that uh, my wife and I have learned. And through all this, I, uh, we have the assurance and the hope that uh, he'll emerge through this and have, he's going to have a great life.
0: That's so great. Um, I tell you, one of the things that sticks out to me is, um, the blessing that you and your wife are to him of just, I mean, it seems like the three of you are just right in this together. And I'm sure your whole family is, you know, his siblings as well. And that, um, I mean, you are, I I just keep thinking of the parallels of you all are doing some pretty intense physical therapy mentally with your son. And if, if uh you know if if one of your kids got into a car accident and was paralyzed from the waist down you would rearrange your life to make that happen and and you'd oh, you'd yeah. figure out how to make that work yeah. and and i feel like and certainly i'm not a therapist or anything like that but i feel like that's what's happened emotionally and and mentally with your son yeah there yeah. there was an event that took place it came out of the blue nobody did anything wrong i mean nothing nothing had this wasn't punishment or anything yeah but his entire situation changes and you can either choose to ignore it which you would never do if this were a physical and a physical ailment and i mean i don't want to take away brain chemistry and that is physical and that kind of stuff but i think you know what i mean i mean if there there was an amputation you wouldn't just ignore it and say ah he'll grow out of it like that's (laughs) absurd what's wrong with you yeah and with a with a mental situation, it's the same thing. No, we're going to, we got to tackle this head on. This is a situation. We need to put tools in our toolbox and we need to figure out how to live this life.
1: You know, it's interesting too, is so that over the years you've heard Elder Holland, you know, in conference yes. talks, talk about mental illness and that kind of stuff. And, I, you know, we weren't going through any of that at the time, but I always thought, oh, man, that was a really good talk. Yeah, it, it is real. You yeah, know, I'm really glad that, you know, people struggling with that have that can hear this, Yeah. Yeah, fast forward five, six years. Oh, oh, yeah, you you do have this and it is your problem now. Yes, <laughs> And so it takes on a very whole, a very different meaning when you're the one going through it with your son and watching things and having him, you know, and, and working through the issues with him. So it's very intense. You know, it's interesting, too. It's brought the whole family really closer together because it's not just my wife and I, but it's all of us. All of us have to commit to not accommodate to him, not accommodate his OCD. And to actually do the exposures with him, you know, he gives his sisters hugs now. So really? Yeah. Yeah. He'll give them hugs and, and, uh, he loves them obviously. And they love him. And, but, uh, you know, know, no, I look at my other children and they're so patient with him. Um, in many ways they've been more patient than my than me, you know, and uh, not that I'm not patient, but, uh, I just, oh, I'm always just, I, I sit back and just in awe of how, cause it, it, it's a very selfish, um, mental disorder. It's all they, all he really thinks about is him and how things affect him. Mm. And it's not that he's a selfish person. It's just that, uh, the, the, it just takes over everything in his life. And it's, it's just really, everything revolves around him. And, it's really, really hard, especially for, you know, my, you know, my wife and I are older, we've been through the whole teenage process. And so it's easier for us to be able to kind of st- realize, okay, teenagers tend to be selfish anyway. Right. Sure. And amp it up with this OCD thing. It's really tough. And, uh, but our kids have been so great with it and uh, been very patient with him and they don't accommodate him. <laughs>
0: That's fantastic. So, but,
1: uh. yeah. Yeah. Bo,
0: what would you say, kind of in, in closing, what would you say to either yourself uh, two years ago, if I've got the math right, or or a parent who's just at the beginning of their uh, journey with one of their kids that is discovering a mental health issue?
1: I would say, number one, there's hope, even though everything in you is going to tell me there's not. But there is absolute hope. Number two, you go to the Lord and ask for help and number three get off your knees and do whatever it takes to be able to get the help and the treatment that that, that, that you need because the faster you do that the faster things you start educating yourself about what's going on what's happening and as you educate yourself it's just like with anything right that when you when you learn about something and you start applying those principles all the things so things start changing and uh so number one know that you're not a bad parent and it's not your fault. Number two, know that the Lord loves you and he hears and answers your prayers, just maybe not in the way you think it's going to happen. And uh, I think there's a, there's a quote from Elder Maxwell and he says, how how can you expect, I'm slaughtering this quote, but he's like, how can you expect basically to gain wisdom, grow and uh, become better walking on a path that doesn't, on, on an easy path yeah. that's not life. life is going to be hard you're going to go through things that just aren't fair that that's just you know that you don't deserve um that uh, seem absolutely impossible on face value look at them that, that there's no way to, to 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 overcome it or work through it or see hope and, uh, and and without the savior that's probably true but with the savior everything's possible
0: well thank you again for sharing your experience and just being so open with all of this, and uh, I hope that your boy continues to just trend upward, and uh, and that everything turns out the way that, the way that uh, Heavenly Father would like it to.
1: Thank you.